Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show covering the mandatory payout for closing day at Del Mar this Sunday. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. As you can see, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. Once again, I don't know where my nicer hats are. I just went for the really cool Breeders' Cup hat today. But I, I feel like I make up for it with the cool Mr. T um, t-shirt. And joining us from his base in and around Del Mar Racetrack, a, a man never short on sartorial splendor. You read his work, the fantastic work he's done all meet long with the Frankly Speaking column on our In the Money Plus side. Always a pleasure to reunite with Frank Scatoni. What's going on, Frank? Pete, your, your shirt reminded me that after this is over, I got to drink my milk and take my vitamins. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I wish, I wish I, I got to position my angle a little bit better because I'm rocking the Cadbot t-shirt today, but nobody can see it because I'm sunk a little too low. So uh, maybe for, uh, for, for the Del Mar fall, I can get a little bit of a higher setup so people can actually see my really cool t-shirts. I think it's a good idea. And you know, there's a connection between our t-shirts. I once saw an obscure band, really a guy, uh, called the Mr. T Experience at Casbah. No. Yeah. Really? Maybe. I think I've been to the Casbah twice. I don't remember the other show, but I do remember. I I enjoyed the Mr. T Experience there. So uh, Mr. T and the Casbah are united. Uh, Loved in in one of your recent columns getting in the great uh, the great phrase for a horse that had a lot going on behind the saddle has an ass like a Westchester bus. Very, you remember, I, remember that? Oh, genius, yes. I think it was something that the Clancy's dad used to say. Yeah. I I, which one of them told us, but that, that was fabulous. Yeah, you know, I wanted to say Sean because Sean was the one who talked all, the one who talks all the time, but I believe it was actually Joe who said that. We, you and I were both cracking up. Oh, it was great. It was great. I, I, miss, those I miss those boys. Yeah, they're doing great. You know, they had a good meet up there, and yeah. they've got they've really got it down to a science. And the Saratoga Special graduates. I mean, it's just so funny to see how many of us there are now. I we give the Darley Flying Start kids a run for their money. Yeah, well, I was going to say it was almost like a, it's like a finishing school for people who want to, you know, move on in the industry because you learn so much uh, working on that publication. And, and, you know, we were there from the inception, like the very first couple of seasons and the work that Joe and Sean have done over the last, I don't know, what do you think it is? 15 years? It's been More. a long time. No, the first year was, what, yeah, the first 2000? year was 2001. 2001, right. So the work that they've been we doing. Got home, we got home from that summer and it was 9-11. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's yeah. right. Because I actually spent, after I moved out here, I spent the whole summer back east in Saratoga. And I remember I came back after the races. And then, yeah, like a week later, it was 9-11. That's, ugh. Um, so but so yeah, but the work the work that they've been doing for as long as they've been doing, uh, it has been remarkable. Two really great writers. Uh Great editors, so good for the sport. And, uh, you know, if not for the Clancy's, who knows, you know, where we might be today. <laughs> <laughs> we might have real jobs. I don't yeah. know. Is that, is that good? <laughs> Some days I curse them for this, Frank. Other days I, I feel very appreciative. And we try, we're trying here at the special, at the, at the special, we're trying here at the network too, to, to keep that going and find yes. other young people and set them on their way. For those that don't know, I mean, there's so many, I can't name them all, but uh, two that leap to mind, Travis Stone, getting his start there. Um, uh, well, another John Panagot, I'll, I'll throw him yeah. in. Um, yeah. 
Gabby Gaudet. I mean, it's it, there's there's a whole lot of us. There's a whole lot it's, of us. It's amazing. It's like a who's who. <laughs> <laughs> it's a something. It's some. It's a who's who. So I don't know how we make the grade, but somehow we. <laughs> well, they were desperate. It was the first year that you had nobody. <laughs> <laughs> now, now there's a list as long as your arm of people who want to work. I know. Right? Now we'd be like, oh, sorry, try again next year. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough racing experience. Get lost. <laughs> um, let's talk about this this mandatory payout pick six. First of all, you've been very good with your general feel about these sequences when we've talked about them in the past. Is this is this a sequence you like or, or one going in you feel like is a little tricky? I thought this was super duper tough. Um, it was funny. As I was going through the card, um, I came up with some crazy horses. And I was thinking, like, my goodness, if this was just a normal day um, and if I am right about my crazy horses – I might be the, you know, the single ticket. That won't be the case. That won't be the case on a mandatory day uh, where so many people are playing, where the computer guys really, really uh, get involved. But uh, yeah, I got a couple of 20 to one shots we're going to talk about. Um, you know, the only thing is, and we'll get to this race in a little bit, you know, obviously if Prince of Monaco wins, that'll deflate the payoff because everybody will be using that horse. But what if he doesn't win? What is I mean? And some of these bombs come in. What the heck is this thing going to pay? I just right. I thought it was a very challenging sequence. I didn't have a super good feel for a lot of these races. Um, you know, as I usually do. However, I do like to you know step out and plant some flags to try and uh, you know build a roadmap to get to get to that last race. But uh, tough sequence. It's a great way to end the end what has been a very very competitive uh, Del Mar meet. Yeah, there's no other way to do it, really. I mean, despite, and I don't mind the free square being in this sequence. I, I think it's sometimes having, you know, six open races in a pick six, and that turns it into a benefit for the computer players in, in a way where, you know, if sure. you can reduce it to a pick five, I, I think it, in, a, in a way it gives us a, a little bit more of a chance. For me, this was a sequence where rather than do a typical ABC construction, I felt like the plant, the flag planting method of, I'm going to find some, I'm going to try to construct some tickets where two of three strong opinions have to win kind yeah. of thing. And then, and then maybe get a little spready, but let's talk it through uh, starting off with race number six, this Cal bread allowance going six and a half on the dirt. Um, I don't usually start, but with the first race, but I will just say one of those horses I thought might make sense to get stuck into on a whole lot of tickets is the number four super cheap. I think this horse is going to get an absolutely perfect trip bound to run better second start over the surface, second start of the meet. Uh, there was just a lot to like, and I, I thought this one might have a little bit in hand on the dirt compared to some of today's rivals. Uh, I, I also thought that I'm going to go with Ubabe for the nine. This horse looks very exposed, you know, at the one for 15 with seven uh, seconds and five thirds, but there hasn't been a lot of that on dirt, uh, very, very little. And in fact, two of the dirt races are two of the best races. So viewed through the lens of dirt, maybe this Ubabe can get involved. I had that one as a B, the nine, the four as sort of an A, a press in this situation. What do you think of this first race? Yeah, I, I actually thought it was super tough. Um, but you know, I see this, I see this race being run one of two ways. Uh, you know, you have horse like uh, number four, Super Chief, and you have a couple of others who like to be forwardly placed. Um, and that's uh, I've got to find my note here. Number two, let's acclimate, and number six, Tapatio Leo. I can yeah. see those three being forwardly placed and running one, two, three all the way around the track. That's one way this race could unfold. The other way is that, you know, they get a little too eager 
and they try to outdo each other and they soften each other up for someone to come flying late. And that's the, the way I'm gonna play that on my A line. I will use the three that I just mentioned on my B line because I think they're very, very logical, but I wanna try and come up with something crazy here if the race does fall apart. I mean, how about number five, Gypsy Tears at 20 to one? What's wrong with this horse? First off, Val Brinkerhoff is having an excellent meet. I know it says he only has two winners and 26 starts, but he has a lot of seconds and thirds. All of his horses are firing and they are all running well at good prices. I know the horse might look a little slow on paper, but I thought his first two races were very, very good. And you know, the last race at a mile on turf, that's usually just a conditioning race and looking to cut back, uh, you know, a little sneaky form darkener. That's worked well for me uh, this meet. We had a Paula Capestro horse who did the same thing and in a six horse field and ended up, you know, going off at eight to one and winning that race. Uh, you know, it's an old school move that I, that I love and it still works really, really well today. In my opinion, there are no world beaters in here. So I don't think this horse is that far off all of the other ones I mentioned. So that horse will be an A for me. And then to the similar point about a horse looking, you know, looking for a horse who's going to track on the outside part of the track and maybe just grind away. If the, if the track is playing the way it has played mostly this meet, that tracking trip on the outside in sprint races has been very, very good. Not every day, but most of the days. Uh, so I'll keep an eye on that early in the day and see, see how the track is playing. But I thought number seven, Win Ribbon, uh, was pretty obvious. Beat open $20,000 claimers, two back here at Del Mar. And then last time at this level, he had to break from the rail. Never really a good thing to do in, in sprint races at Del Mar, contrary to popular belief. Um, yet this horse still ran a very, very good third. I thought he figured today. So two A's, three B's. I could probably talk about three or four more and still not feel confident about getting out of this race because if it's not super chief, you know, then it's, you know, four or five, six of these have a huge shot. Yeah, I hate spreading in the first leg, but I mean, you're making good points. I, I may just sort of hope that I'm right with one of mine and, and go on with life, though I have to throw in or at least bet to win Gypsy Tears on your say-so. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, I think I ignored largely because of the figures, but yeah. when do slower horses beat faster horses when they have a pace advantage? There is exactly. this scenario where the four hooks up with those other two and it, it, it melts down, and then this horse has an absolute chance, uh, definitely one that will be suited by the cutback. I'm hoping Super Chief just settles off of those other two stalks and pounces, but with the blinkers on, could end up being a scrum up there. So I definitely right. that, 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 that's another reason why I was thinking, you know, maybe the the second way I described the race unfolding might be the the way it will be run with that blinkers on, uh, you know, and with the jock, you know, who who likes to go. So um, very interesting, in my opinion. First of our two stakes races we'll talk about is race seven, the Del Mar Juvenile Turf, Grade Three action with a field of nine going postward and as often as i talk about this angle we'll bring it up again really love leopardstown as a, a track that uh, very often provides good pointers to horses who are going to do well in the usa sea singer broke his maiden over there i think there's a chance he might just have a class edge and very well suited to today's proceedings i couldn't get away from uh, the horse that i would imagine is going to be the favorite that's number three voltage extremely impressive second time out winning by uh, by many open links. We don't have a line on this form yet coming back in just 17 days. Not something yeah. Mandela is associated with, but yeah. you know, when really good trainers do unusual things, I, I often think it's a, a positive 
So I was going to try to mess around 5-3. I did not have use for the morning line favorite in here. Or not the morning line favorite, but a horse that's short on the morning line. Endlessly, one on debut in a race you could time with a sundial. Five <laughs> have come back from that race to not win. So I was going to try to be bold and take that one on. That was maybe my main opinion in this seventh race. Am I underrating endlessly? Do you like either of mine? How do you see this? Yeah, I think we're, we're mostly the same, but just a little bit different. A, I agree with you with the uh, the Leopardstown form. And in particular, you know, I would love to just, this is just anecdotal evidence. I would actually love to do a proper study at some point, but it seems that Irish bred horses just do so well here at Del Mar. Um, you know, maybe it's, you know, Maybe that's also great British red too. You know what I mean? But I, for some reason, every time I see a, a, a young turf horse win, it's typically an Irish bred. So I agree with you. That horse must be on all the tickets. It's funny, trained by Michael McCarthy. He's got three of them in here, including Endlessly, who you talked about. I actually really do like Endlessly. I know that, that speed figure is glacial. It is so slow. But I just like the way this horse won. And, you know, the horse won very easily and very comfortably. And maybe he didn't have to run as fast, you know, uh, just I thought he had a whiff of class about him. You know, Michael McCarthy debuted this horse going long on turf. He got Hernandez to ride. So clearly they thought something of the horse. The horse ends up winning at first asking, doing things that, you know, two-year-olds don't usually do in their first starts, long on turf. Comes back here. But more importantly, I just thought the come home time. Uh, in that race was, you know, was pretty good for a two-year-old. So that, that I will, I'm definitely using that horse as an A. I'm using uh, the other McCarthy C Singer as an A, who you mentioned. And then my Bs were going to be the third McCarthy and then number three Voltage. The, the issue I had with Voltage was exactly what you mentioned, coming back pretty quick for a young turf horse. Um, and also... I think there's going to be some speed in here with a couple of stretch out sprinters and the way this horse won last time, you know, kind of stalked the pace and then pounced stalking a faster pace today and pouncing might not be the winning trip. It's, it's often very hard uh, to do that stalk and pounce move on the turf here at Del Mar. Typically the winners like to be covered up and then they make their, their explosion as they, as they turn for home, uh, you want your horse on the inside if possible. Uh, so I'm, I'm not knocking this horse too much. I will use the horse as a B, but I was impressed. I was really impressed by Endlessly, despite the slow, the slow speed fig. And then I, I have, if I'm using two of the McCarthys, I have to use the third. Um, I don't know much about the turf breeding on this horse, but uh, if you look at the July 9th race at Los Al, I'm sure that was just a prep race. And, you know, he ran with a horse named Prince of Monaco, who we're going to talk about later on in the uh, the Futurity. So um, already that form is franked. I know it was only a four-horse field, but, um, you know, if that was just a leg stretcher for this, McCarthy, you know, Pratt's in town to ride Prince of Monaco. McCarthy gets Pratt to ride in this turf race. And, you know, when Pratt comes out here, he, you know, he schools these boys. So um, I thought that was just one to use. Uh, underneath, uh, other you can't really make a super case for the horse. Uh, you know, will the horse stretch out? Will the horse turf? That kind of thing. But um, that's how I saw the race, Pete. But I, I'm I am more bullish on endlessly than you are. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I take your points for sure. I I think that I would have been more forgiving of the figure had the form looked a little bit better. But it's not True. like the horse can't win. I was just thinking it might catch a little too much money. You mentioned about uh, Lord Bullington. So Lord Nelson, and I wouldn't think of him as uh, as a, a turf right. sire at all 
being by, uh, you know, pulpit by AP Indy. But the numbers aren't bad. 12% turf routes. That's actually, that's average. And, you know, he's certainly in hands that he knows what he's doing. And then on the, you know, the dam was definitely a, uh, one of these, uh, was it a live oak? No, it wasn't a live oak horse, but a, but a solid, oh, the name is Silver Oak. That's why I thought Silver, that was Silver Oak. Very good turf and synth performer. So why not? You know, I, I don't have any problem at all throwing something like that in. Let's move on to race number eight as we conclude the back half of this or the the the, the third race of the first half of the pick six. It's an allowance race. We're on the dirt. We've got nine going to post. Frank, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, this is one of those races where I, I, I felt like I wanted to separate a little bit. I know I know number five mastering will probably be on a lot of people's tickets. And, you know, I will use that horse as a B, but it's it's tricky. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, Steve Knapp is terrific off the claim. He does a really, really good job when he claims a horse. But we all know it's tough to claim off Baffert and, you know, move a horse up. Yep. But. He doesn't really have to move this horse up too much because it's running back, you know, for the 40K tag. He claimed the horse for 40K. And those last three races that this horse ran, last four races, are certainly really good enough to get the job done. The horse has tactical speed, should get a good trip. You know, I'm not going to be a hero and not use the horse as a B contender. But I like someone else for my A-line. And uh, I was going to just use number four, Eastside Cool. I don't love that Mulhall claimed this horse back east for 62.5 at Churchill in June, and now he shows up here for 40, less than the tag. Don't usually like that, but I trust Kristen Mulhall to run the horse where she thinks he belongs. And I know that once she got the horse in her barn, she took really good care of him because she's a terrific horsewoman. So I'm thinking this, you know, this could just be a case where the owners just want to get a win you know, run the horse in a little softer spot than he's accustomed to uh, from those back, those East Coast races, which are really, really good. I think that East Coast form is very solid. I like that she's adding blinkers. I think the horse, uh, I think that that equipment change will help the horse. Um, and, you know, like I said, mastering, you know, if mastering wins, great, but he's going to be on everyone's ticket. He's going to be um, an underlay in the pick six sequence. So, I thought I would just go a little different here. Use number four, Eastside Pool, as my A, and then use uh, five, Mastering, as a B, and then the other logical one, number two, Devil Be Me, as a B as well. Uh, this horse never runs a bad race, but, you know, he's a cowbred facing open allowance foes. So, um, you know, it's a little bit tougher competition than he has been facing. Uh, but like I said, never runs a bad race and, and you know, should, should, be, should be there at the end. Uh, we'll see who gets the job done. Maybe a pace advantage for Devil uh, Devil Be Me. That's what I was thinking. I'm, I'm, time form has it that way with uh, with the seven out there pressing. But that's a horse cutting back from the turf. I think there's a world in which the two just gets loose, Could be uh, done, which, I, yeah. which I would really really like. So I was going to take on Mastering. I just I hate the claim off Baffert. I mean, the horse, and the horse is just so mega obvious in a sequence that I'm. I mean, personally, I'm playing as if, and we'll get there. But I'm playing as if it's a pick five. I just. I don't know. And Steve Knapp, you're right. His numbers off the claim are good, but he's not been going well. And I don't know the, the claim off Baffert. You know, it's just not something I can, not something I can trust. I, I'm going to try to get some equity here. I also like Eastside Cool. You made the case extremely well. Maybe this is a case where they figure between what they get for the ship and win and the emotional value of winning a race at Del Mar. Yeah. 
you know, people make a mistake sometimes, I think, looking at every owner and trainer decision through the lens of ROI. Mm -hmm. You don't own horses for ROI. If you're trying to do this to make money on the racetrack, <laughs> you're in the wrong business. So, you know, I think sometimes that, I mean, obviously there's some ridiculous examples of still there. I'm not saying there aren't still um, suspicious claims, negative claim, negative yeah. drops, et cetera, et cetera. But this one doesn't seem that bad to me when you put it all in the hopper. Um, two, four. And I'm going to see if I can, uh, if I can get out alive in this, uh, in this eighth race on Sunday. It's like, Pete, it's like the old adage, how do you make a million bucks in horse racing? Start with 20. Yeah, start with 20. <laughs> exactly. That is, that is exactly right. Race number nine, an allowance race going five furlongs on the turf and a big full field here. I, I'm going to throw up my hands and let you talk first. Oh, I mean, this, this race is super, super tough in my opinion. I mean, if you're just looking at, you know, the last speed figures, you know, number six, Bolden stands out like a sore thumb. But, you know, two things, after he put up that huge 103 buyer, he needed a lot of time. You know, he's been on the bench since June 17th, 2022. He's also a Calbred facing open foes for the first time. So there are some questions surrounding a horse that, you know, will be on everybody's ticket. Now, again, we always talk about trainer intent and good trainers and whatnot. You can kind of make some excuses uh, for, for uh, a, negative, a, a negative form thing. Like, like I said, this is a very long way up, but there's one guy who knows how to bring them back, ready to breathe fire and run. It's Tomato. So I won't hold that too much against this horse. But, you know, he's going to be forwardly placed. There's a big full field, like you said. I think there's going to be a super fast pace in here. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to find someone who I think can finish, and I got I got a couple of fuzzies in here. Um, number four, Barsabas, twenty to one. I told you I, met, I liked a couple of twenty ones. This yep. horse hinted at ability for two years, but he never really put it together. But if you just look at his last two races, both at five furlongs over this course, you can see that he really likes this distance, and he can finish up and and. Uh, you know, run well against this caliber of competition. So last time he just missed against a few of these, he was 51 to one, totally outran his odds. I ran on late in a race that had what I believe was a slower pace than what we're going to see today. So I think that, that this horse can uh, move forward with that much faster pace scenario that I'm envisioning. Um, and the biggest thing is that Hector Berrios, who, is had a terrific meet and rides this turf course better than anybody. He takes over for an apprentice. So I know that Berrios will give this horse every chance to win at a huge number. And like I said, if there is that super fast pace, at least I know that Barcibus can come running on late. And same thing with, with number nine, my summer dream. Uh, Mullins claimed this guy at a, of a very good third place finish against $32,000 foes. I know this is a pretty big step up into uh, allowance company, but this horse has some pretty good races on his form. And if you look at what he did up north, he was he was a stakes contender. He was running in stakes races, so he has some back class to him. I can see him running a really really good one today with the right kind of setup. Uh, you know, Mullins uh, used to be a trainer who claimed a lot, doesn't claim as much anymore. Uh, so when he does, I absolutely take notice. And I always love when a good trainer claims and shows confidence and move, moves a horse up in class. So I thought number nine had a very sneaky look to him as well. Uh, 
Those will be my A's to be super sneaky in here. I will use that the motto horse is a B, and I will also use another obvious one number, Mr. Iceman, as a B. That horse just missed at this level last time. Really nothing wrong with, uh, with that horse, but likes to be forwardly placed in a race that should have a lot of heat early. So we'll, we'll see. This, this race could collapse, and it could be bombs away. I hear your case on that. I think just for the practicality of how I'm going to play it, this is extremely risky, but you know that you you got to you got to do that sometimes if you're going to be able to afford these tickets. I might I might have Bolden be the lone A, despite the fears, just because I'm I'm just too much of a figure monkey, I suppose. And <laughs> trust the motto enough that I think this horse could just prove to be the best speed, and especially in these sharp fives. You know, you see that a lot. I'll back up with Mister Iceman, and I'm going to take. I'm gonna. It's the kind of thing where again, it's all going to come down to construction. I'll have a number of tickets yeah. where it's just the six. And then on other tickets, I'm going to have the six and the seven. And then on some other tickets, I'm definitely going to throw in your four and nine based on those based on those say sos. Because I think if, if really if if either of those wins, it's going to be bombs away time. I, there's a very good as long as the vibes are positive around Bolden, this horse is going to be bet off the board. I, I think in the win pool, um, maybe you can preserve a little bit of value in a bet like the pick six. We'll see. I, I may be dreaming on that, but just for practic pr practicality purposes, I think that's how I'm going to run it. Let's go to race number 10, the Delmar Futurity. I have a horse-by-horse -horse analysis of this over on attheraces.com. I wanted to be Prince of Monaco. I really did. And just the more I looked, the less that seemed like a sound strategy. I guess my case against at first was, here's a horse that's won wire-to-wire -wire twice, and there's... Uh, that's not exactly true. He stalked the second day at the timeout. But I think this horse that from the rail with his speed is going to have to be in a bit of a scrum early. And there's, you know, four horses who are potentially faster early. But it's Pratt. I think he can probably just flop outside, stalk the speed, come calling on the turn and, and lights out. I just, based on the ability this one's shown, I just didn't come up with enough clever things. I mean, I, I did... I did like Raging Torrent a bunch, um, and, and I might try to have one back up there or play some 1-4 in the exacta, um, but I don't know. Can you give me a case against Prince of Monaco here? I mean, again, like you said, I, I, I agreed. I, I really wanted to try to beat him because I thought he had the absolute perfect setup uh, last time when he beat uh, his stablemate, Muth, who was, was the big favorite in that race. He was, uh, Prince of Monaco was drawn outside. It was only a five-horse field. He just kind of tracked while Muth and somebody else were, were you know, up front setting, setting the type of pace that would favor a horse with that tracking style from the outside. It was also a super closer-friendly track that day. So while I do think Prince of Monaco ran very impressively, I'm going to take that speed figure with a little bit of a grain of salt. I think he was completely flattered by the track profile uh, but you know, it's hard to knock. I mean, the horse won, won the debut by eight lengths, then came back and won a, the, the prep for this by four and a quarter, beating uh, a well fancied, like a well fancied stable mate. So it's hard, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to use him. I think you absolutely have to use him, but I don't know. I just wanted to talk for a second about you know, just because you, you always have to pay attention to this. What about the other baffer? I mean, why is why is he running number three, Miramati, in here? There's nothing to recommend this horse on paper if you have two eyes and if you've seen his races. Um, he's been overhyped and he's underdelivered. He's still a maiden. He's been a beaten favorite three times in a row. 
and last race he had the lead and looked like the winner at the 16th pole and then he just gave it up he like propped he drifted in he drifted out he was erratic it was just a it was it was very very strange it was not a very good performance and yet here we are a couple of weeks weeks later and Baffert's running this horse in a grade one Hernandez shows back up to ride I don't know am I, I'm, maybe I'm trying to be a little too clever by a half here but I like the old school one mile to seven furlong cutback here. This horse clearly had some kind of ability. People have liked this horse, have bet this horse off the board three times, and he's not delivered. I don't know. why. Like I said, why is he running in a grade one when when, when it looks like the stable mate is the nuts? It's why strange. run two when one will do, you know? <laughs> or in this case, three, because they're all – you know, they're all tied to Rothschild too. You know, oh, right. they're all they're all stable mates. So Yachtin perhaps being thrown a bone for his help on the uh, Kentucky Derby trail the last That's few true. years. So it's it is. I mean, that is a little odd. I just look. I want to love Miramati. It's my favorite name in training outside of Bloom's Boldly. Um, he <laughs> is a horse that looks like he is ideally suited for a cutback. I just worry he's a morning glory. I just, yeah. I just can't, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Basically, um, who else do you want to have on your tickets in here? That's it. I mean, I, 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 I looked at Raging Torrent long and hard, um, but you know he's got a lot of lengths to make up on on Prince of Monaco. You know, I wanted to look at look at Rothschild. I thought that last race was super super sharp, um, but you know the horse did it. On the lead with nary a straw in his path. You know, he's going to face some heat. Uh, you know, that horse outside of him has some speed. So we'll have to see if Rothschild uh, can either outgun the six or suck back and rate a little bit. I just don't think Rothschild has a favorable setup with that, you know, with that six horse to the outside uh, who yep. ran really fast early last time. So I don't know. I was going to, like I said, I was just going to be too clever by a half and use both the Bafferts and. You know, there are worse things to do in a two-year-old uh, two-year-old stakes race at Del Mar than, than use Baffert. So yeah, oh, I hear you. I'd, I'd almost, on principle, if I had your view, I'd almost, on principle, want to throw in Rothschild as the other, you know, the the, the other uncoupled stable. It's just one of those things where you 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 think down, you're alive, you've had some prices, and you look down before the race. How am I going to get beat? Oh, it's the other, uh, it's the other, uh, you know, Baffert owner's horse. Right. <laughs> yeah. but, I'm going to try to get out of here stone, not stone cold. I will have a little bit of backup, just a littlest bit of backup on Raging Torrent. Sometimes in spaces like in races like this, what I'll do is say, okay, I see this favorite. I don't think the favorite can lose. If the favorite wasn't in the race, who would I like? And at right. least have a little backup on that one. That horse for me would clearly be a Raging Torrent. So okay. I'm going to give that one. I'm going to give that one a little bit, a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a lean. I mean, this, uh, I, I just feel like he'd look really good essentially without, without the big one in here. So that's how we'll try to get each of us will respectively try to get through the Del Mar Futurity, which brings us to an interesting nightcap maiden special weight going a mile on the turf when it comes to this mandatory payout for Del Mar on closing day, Frank, how are we going to get paid? Yeah, this, this is another really, really tough race. Uh, another tough turf race. We've seen a lot of these competitive turf races all summer long for Del Mar. So this is a fitting way to end the sequence. Uh, I, you know, I thought there would be a pretty decent early pace in here with some uh, stretch out sprinters, including the morning line favorite who's stretching out. 
I mean, call me crazy, and I guarantee you I'll be kicking myself and cursing myself after the race, but I thought number seven, Lahina Flavor, a 10-to-1, had a huge shot. I have as an um, A2. Lahina La Favor, what'd you say? I have as an A2. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, so I'm like thinking to myself, uh, crazy, Drayton Van Dyke has got one win, all me, Patty Gallagher, he's, you know, Ready to have some duck l'orange after the uh, after the meet ends. Uh, he hasn't won anything, so that's very very problematic. But I thought this guy's debut was pretty solid. Um, you know, he was off the pace. Uh, he came on. He was off a fair pace. You know, wasn't super fast, wasn't super slow, but he came home respectably in a nine furlong affair. He should be super fit off that, ready for a move forward while cutting back. He's also a four year old against a bunch of three year olds, and I. I we talk about this all the time. Doesn't matter so much this late in the year, but it's still something I look at. Um, you know, especially if if I think the three-year-olds are going to be overbet. Uh, I thought this horse was very, very interesting. The only thing that really worries me are the connections. And then uh, number eight, Uncle Oscar. I know he was fifteen to one last time when I had my Saturday seminar. My guest Joe Lederman. I gave out that horse as one of his sneaky plays, and the horse ran huge, ran a really, really good second. Lost to the favorite, so no shame there. Now makes the third start of the form cycle. Cuts back from nine furlongs as well. I really like that move, cutting back to a mile. Uh, but what's most telling is that Mike Smith takes over for an apprentice uh, who you know wasn't really that good on turf all summer long. So that cannot be overlooked. And then I'm actually using three A's here. I'm going to use number six, Quintessence, eight to one. I hated this horse last time at four to one. Didn't use for a penny. It was a turf sprint off a long layoff. I thought for all the world that was a prep race for a route race in the next start. Seems that I was right. You know, he was not very good in that five furlong, five furlong turf sprint. I didn't expect him to be. Here he is coming back. He's a much better two-turn horse, second off the bench. So I expect him to outrun his odds today. But is this super-duper competitive race to, to end, the, end the sequence? You listed three. I've got all three of those. Yeah. You know, uh, Uncle Oscar for Hoffman's, who, as we know, knows how to train a horse, comes out of that same Lahaina favor race or flavor. And uh, I felt like both of them just made all the sense in the world. And you're going to get compensated for your lower profile connections. Quintessence, I thought, is going to get just a beautiful trip in here, potentially, as the not on the lead, but will we'll be in front at the pace call. Like, we'll yeah. take over from speed that I don't like and, uh, and and be able to just get an absolutely great run in here. Now, I had a really goofy one that I wanted to ask you about. This is a horse somebody somebody picked on one of the shows at some point, and I was thinking it might be you, but the fact that you didn't come back here makes me think maybe it wasn't you. What about another horse to get a perfect trip potentially in Collect This Money? I think the four is the Bye Bye Ray, who I don't really like at all, is going to be a clear leader, and I'm hoping – Runners like the 11 and the 6 might be able to just set up camp off this one. The angle to collect this money is pedigree. Um, this is this is a good this is a good going longer. This is a good route grass pedigree. You know, also um, you could make the case that that race was more of a prep. And, and as I say on the shows all the time, I always love when they get on the new surface and run a higher figure. That often portends for further improvement. And I mean, this horse is going to be all of 20 to one. Can you see it if you sprint? Squint. Yeah. I, I think this horse came up on another show that uh, that we might have done together. And we talked about it because if you look uh, at Belterra, Anamia wanted to get this horse on turf twice. 
and it was washed off both times. She's a good horsewoman. Uh, she is, is a tough horse. O'Neill gets the horse here in Southern California, and the first thing he does is he puts the horse on turf. So, um, you know, absolutely makes sense. I was just worried about the trip this horse was going to get. Um, Post wise, com coming out from the sprint races, probably going to be forwardly placed. Probably end up stalking in that three position, which is great in dirt races, but not not my favorite trip in turf races. So, um, I was hoping could drop in, but you may be right. Yeah, I I, I don't know if. Um, if that's something Pereira will do from out here, I think instead he'll be more aggressive and put this horse in the race. And with other speed inside him and other stretch out sprinters, I was kind of thinking he'd be stalking, but you know what, if he does find the rail, then, you know, why not? Like you said, it's uh, two turns on the turf is what this horse probably wants to do. You can just look at that last race as a prep race for this really had no chance, you know, breaking all the way outside in a, in a five foot long turf sprint four you know, four deep, you can't you can't win with that trip in a turf sprint so the horse was right there around half a race until he got tired so um i'm not going to talk you off a 20 to one shot pete uh, but it wasn't one that i was going to use throw in there i like your other three all better but just one i wanted to mention that phone call that interrupted us means the brits are ready for me for the saturday tv shift so we got to cut it short here frank but always a pleasure love working with you love working with our friends at del mar all summer get involved in this mandatory payout pick six on closing day. Hopefully nobody hits it to be gay today and we got a little bit added to the pot. That'll be a lot of fun. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>